I want to take a second to tell you about another podcast from WDET that I think you will love. It's called The Beginning of the End, and it's a show about when, how, and why things end. New episodes are in the works, but you can listen to season one right now at beginningoftheend.org. From WDET in Detroit, this is Twisted Storytellers. I am your curator and host, Satori Shakur. On today's show, water. When I was a little girl, I hated water. Water was so boring. It was, it was so nasty. It was, like, it was like drinking sandpaper. Water was disgusting. <laughs> this is writer-activist Tawana Honeycomb-Petty. She told this story live at our monthly Secret Society Twisted Storytellers event in Detroit. The theme that night was love stories. But every time I turned around, my mama was trying to get me to drink water. You need to drink so-and-so ounces a day. Water. Water. She would even try to doctor it up by putting ice cubes in it to make it all glisteny and stuff. But it was still water. And I wasn't feeling water. As a matter of fact, I blame water for all my problems. I mean, imagine this. I'm six years old, right? If I drink water after 7 p.m. Right, exactly. I wet the bed, I get my butt whipped, water. (laughs) 10 years old, I discover water balloons, right? Water balloons are supposed to be fun. So I fill it up, stand on my mama bed. (laughs) I might have dropped one out her window. But you're supposed to do that with water balloons, right? Butt whooping. Water. Into her 30s, Tawana and water still weren't getting along. But then one day, she meets a boisterous, larger-than-life water warrior named Charity Hicks. I'm telling you, Charity was like the Rosa Parks of water. And she must have had, like, a key to every door in the city of Detroit because you could hear her coming a mile away. And if you didn't hear the keys, you heard her cursing somebody out because she didn't play. Charity was like a big sister to me. I love Charity. Charity loved water. She would carry this jug around that was like the size of like a... I don't know, a small cooler. She would gulp that thing down and fill it back up. And I would just look at her like, I don't even understand why you gulping down this big thing of water. But you know what? It was cool because Charity was amazing and brilliant. I'll say a bit more about Charity. She, she was an imposing personality, uh, presence, beautiful, strong, often dressed in... Uh, bold African garb with her head and hair wrapped in fabric. This is Pastor Bill Wiley Kellerman. He told a story about Charity Hicks, too. It was at our live event. The theme that night was patience. She walked with a kind of dignity that uh, I think was probably one from ancient royalty, but on the other hand, 
uh, came from planting her feet barefoot in a D-town garden and feeling history and memory alive in the earth uh, beneath her feet. She was uh, a large persona and could be loud. One time I was uh, sitting behind her at a downtown uh, forum on gentrification where if you wanted to participate in the discussion, if you wanted to ask a question or make a comment, you were supposed to tweet it on your phone. Charity wasn't having it. <laughs> she wasn't tweeting no tweet. <laughs> uh, when you tweeted, they fell like designer uh, questions and behind the panel in the, in the, uh, who were speaking, and she wasn't going that way. She spoke up loud, out of turn, told the truth when lies were spoken, and next thing you knew, others of us were finding our voices as well. And you know what? No matter what we were talking about, Charity always brought it back to water. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Tawana, them gangster politicians, they coming after our water. First, first it's going to be Detroit. Then it's going to be Flint. It's going to be Ben Harbor. Black folks catching hell all over the globe. I'm telling you, Pay attention. If you live in Detroit or have been paying attention to our city, you know that Charity Hicks wasn't wrong. Since the spring of 2014, tens of thousands of Detroit households have had their water shut off for non-payment. Detroit's water utility issued 46,000 shutoff notices in May and cut services to 4,500 customers. Today, two officials from the United Nations lashed out at what they call a human rights violation, not in some third world country or dictatorship, but in a major American city, Detroit. Um, I was just trying to see if I would be able to get some more water supply, maybe to last me through the weekend. If I could get a call back, that would be great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, a lot of these folks have since paid their balances and have had their service restored. But still, there are tens of thousands of Detroiters who can't pay their bills. They might be on fixed incomes. Maybe they've lost their job. Maybe their renters and their landlords have failed to fix costly leaks. Regardless, there are neighbors among us whose taps have been shut off. They can't cook. They can't clean themselves. They can't drink. And Charity Hicks, that water warrior... She found herself at the center of it all. It was an early Friday morning in May, a uh, pickup truck pulling a compressor pulled up in front of her house and on the side it said, Hamrick Incorporated Water Shut Off. And when Charity saw him, she ran out the door and went down the block knocking on her neighbor's uh, doors rousting people out saying, fill your bathtub, fill your pots and pans, he's coming. And he was. Uh, she went back to confront him because she still had uh, a couple of days uh, to pay on her bill. Uh, she was speaking for folks on the block. She knew if you uh, had your water shut off, you could lose your kids to protective services. If they showed up at school and said, we got no water at home. She knew elders 
especially those with ailments, could die without water. And so she confronted this guy, and, and when the altercation turned physical, she called the police on him. Well, the white cops that showed up arrested her, allowing that she needed to be taught a lesson. She was basically disappeared. Her uh, husband came home after work, found her keys and phone on the, on the lawn, the, the front door unlocked, and did a panic search to friends, hospitals, and eventually went to the police station to file a missing persons report, and they said, oh, we got her. But the fact of the matter is they had arrested the wrong person, way wrong. Charity was not uh, the kind of woman to put her head down, take her medicine, and go quietly away. Two days later, she showed up at uh, our church, St. Peter's, at an event on emergency management and told the whole story in detail, with context, and analysis. In a, in a little meeting prior in the, in the library to do some thinking about strategy, she said, where are the preachers? <laughs> I was the only one in the room. <laughs> so I knew she was calling me out, calling me to responsibility in this thing. And when she told her story in front of the whole crowd that evening, she summoned all of us to, in a phrase that's now become notorious, wage love. You can hear it in sermons, you can hear it in demonstrations as a chant, wage love. People started to get the call to wage love, and wage love was everywhere. It was, it was on buttons, and, and it was in newsletters, and it was on newspapers, and, and it was on websites, and t-shirts, and people were saying wage love, and it was hashtags. It was everywhere. Well, here things turn a little more ominous. Uh, Charity herself went to to New York to speak on a panel about water. And uh, while she was waiting at a bus stop in Brooklyn, a hit-and-run driver jumped the curb and struck her down, put her into a coma in Bellevue Hospital for a month. I remember with other, many other people walking around in those weeks just with a rock in my gut. And we organized healing ceremonies and we organized candlelight vigils and we did everything we could to bring Charity back. And every day she was in a coma. I talked to her over the speakerphone and I prayed that she would come back to me. I tried to tell her jokes. They sucked, but I tried anyway. I even sang to her, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I try everything to bring charity back to us. We would never start a meeting or an action without invoking her name, holding her in the light, praying for her to wake and come back and walk among us. But June 30th, 2014, Charity, you left your body. You didn't come back to us. But something amazing happened in me. I fell in love with water. I carry a water bottle with me everywhere I go. 
I became what you could call a water warrior. I joined your coalition people's water board, and I even stand outside of Detroit Water and Sewers Department yelling and screaming at them. You would be so proud of me. <laughs> and I made a vow that for the rest of my life that I would fight for people to have clean and affordable water. Charity Hicks left a mark on Detroit. She was the founder of the Detroit People's Water Board. She died in July of 2014 from injuries that she sustained after being struck by a hit-and-run driver in New York City. So she was fighting all the way up until the last moment. What should we know now about the water issue and how can we help globally, not just in Detroit, particularly in Detroit, but globally? How, where are we with that? We're still in the thick of it, you know. Um, a lot of times when that that's why this podcast is so significant because a lot of times when the the media fades and the stories fade the people are ignored and forgotten about and in Detroit we still have tens of thousands of people without water and more coming um, they can't afford the water bills. And Charity was instrumental in fighting for water affordability. And the irony in that is that there are other cities and states who have adopted the plans that Charity with Michigan Welfare Rights and People's Water Board Coalition were, have been struggling for for over a decade. Um, and so globally, when we look at places like Ireland, who said, no, you're not going to meter our water. What do you mean you're going to rate how much water we use? And they take to the streets, tens of thousands of people take to the streets. It's a wake up call to us to say just because it's been that way doesn't mean it has to be this way. So what does it look like to not have water? So I was leaving out the house one morning recently and Homrick Trucks came down the street and they they just, you know, I mean, they do it with such rapid speed. Like, you know, they, they zip down my street and they're just shutting water off. Like, I mean, house after house after house. And um, I couldn't catch up with them. I was on foot. And um, so I run back in the house and I start placing calls and I'm, I'm like, we need water over here. Of course, I called over to St. Peter's, um, Pastor Bill's church and uh, got with Monica Lewis Patrick and um, some of my neighbors down the street, Dennis Black and others and arranged for water to be delivered on our street. Um, well, uh, I got to one of my neighbor's house. He opens the door and he's an elder. Um, I would guess him at somewhere around maybe 75, 80. And um, he walks to the door, and he's he's about to drop to his knees, you know. And we're kind of like catching him. And he's he's like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, I didn't think anybody cared, you know. And so um, just... You know, and we've had mothers who are so afraid that they won't even tell us their water is shut off. And we saw their water get shut off, you know. And uh, so one of the women 
who was telling us, oh, no, 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 our, wa- our water is not off. Our water is not off. As we were walking away, she said, but do you have some of that water in your car just in case? So you're saying they're ashamed, ashamed. that they couldn't pay the bill. Ashamed and afraid and aff- that their children could be taken from right. them. Uh, you know, because it, it's, uh, it's you're threatening, according to society and the system, when you don't have water in your home, you're threatening the lives of your children. You know, so they don't think about the systems that are threatening the lives of the family. They think about it's your responsibility no matter what. And if you don't have water, we can take your child. We can condemn your home. uh, We can evict you. We can add it to your taxes. It's such a trickle effect. And when black children go into that system, they rarely ever come back to their families. And so it's it's just um, it's so much larger than just pay your water bill. Twisted Storytellers is a production of WDET. The show is produced by Zach Rosen, sound design and mixed by Sam Bobian, and I'm your host, Satori Shakur. Music from today's show comes from Detroiter Guy Mingo. Hear more of his stuff at gypsycatdispatch.blogspot.com. Other music comes courtesy from our friends at Ghostly Songs. If you're feeling the show, please go to the iTunes store, put Twisted Storytellers in the search box, and write a review. These reviews are about the most helpful thing you can do for us. So please take a couple of minutes and let us know how you feel about the show. Thank you. I took a seminar just so I could remove all of my hang-ups about money and about asking for money. So I'm using that seminar and all the things I learned because I've turned that around to, I love asking for money. And what I'm going to ask you for, ladies and gentlemen, is $10, $50, $281,000. You're going to get a bang for all of your bucks. We're holding a mirror up to the world with these stories. And it's not cheap. Support our show. Go to WDET.org and thank you, thank you, thank you.